Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 646 with a review of Tenet. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Raleigh Nepfebs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stephen Miller backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm David Klein. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. This film has attempted to come out to everybody for a long time, but it is finally here. Everybody can purchase or rent it or do whatever you want. You can finally consume Tenet, um, whether it's still playing in some theater somewhere and you're a crazy person, or you're somebody who finally got to see it at home like us. It is finally, finally here. We have David Klein coming back to join us for this, you know, momentous uh, review <laughs> that we've all been waiting to do. How are you doing? Yes, I'm very excited to expand from my usual Vin Diesel, Gerard Butler, Keanu Reeves playlist into a new territory, yeah, a yeah. new high quality movie territory. So thank you so much for having me back. Very excited. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you're still going to be doing that same thing, but we, we got you in on one that doesn't hit that bill. Right. And I am delighted. And I'm also looking forward to wink, wink, what we're also going to talk about. My boy, Jerry B. <laughs> cool. Stephen, how I'm, are you doing tonight? I, I'm doing OK. I see. I, I wanted to say up front, I'm glad this is a three person episode because I, I want to set the stage for how I watch Tenet. Um, it was Saturday. It was five in the morning. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I woke up very early and I was like, <laughs> fuck it. I don't have anything to do till like, like eight. I have enough time to watch Tenet. <laughs> let, let me, let me do it. So I made a cup of coffee. I watched it. It was still dark out for like two thirds of this movie. And my memory of how I felt is very good. Like, like I understand, I remember how I felt about the movie very well. My memory of the details of everything that happened in the movie are god awful right now. So I'm hoping both <laughs> of you talking will like jog my memory as to what the fuck this movie is about, so I can yes. weigh in and give my thoughts. I read some articles. I thought about it a lot. I watched it a second time. I listened to another podcast just to prepare it so I could be able to somewhat talk about this movie. But David, mm -hmm. the real question is: Did you do any of the other homework that I assigned you? <laughs> Uh, a little bit. So, so you did not watch Time Crimes. You did not w watch Predestination, and you did not watch Travelers episode or season two, episode seven. Uh, uh <laughs> I, I had to work. I had to work. Yeah, I'm working a lot. Okay, so why don't you just back off? No, I, I, I kid, I kid, I kid. That wasn't actual homework, but I did jokingly text these two um, here on the podcast and said, if you want to do homework, you know, if you're one of those people who's like, teacher, didn't, wasn't there going to be a pop quiz today? Um, mm -hmm. You could have uh, done that, but that's okay. I mean, we as someone, as someone who's been telling Chris, I would watch Predestination for years. It's fine. You, he'll always forgive you. He'll always let you tell him again later that you're going to watch it. It'll, it'll never come back to bite is, you. Wait, is that the Ethan Hawke movie that I love? <laughs> well, it, it, it is the Ethan Hawke movie. I don't know if you love it though. That is yet to be. <laughs> it's the it's the time the time crazy movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. So there's not a lot of movies in this world that have made me literally stand up and scream, "Holy shit!" <laughs> that is one of those movies, and it, it blew my mind. I hated what I was watching, and then when you figure out what's going on at the end, I explode. Like I could. I, couldn't contain myself. Literally, oh, stood you're up thinking and about shouted. Boyhood. I get it now. No, that not makes Boyhood sense. and not a Great Expectations. I think it was the time one where he. What? Whoa! 
that sentence does not make sense, so therefore right, it's not a spoiler. That's that you yeah. We're we're talking about the title of that film. <laughs> you don't know what it means. It's an impossible sentence. But yes, sorry, my no, mistake. It's a very straightforward sentence. Name of movie and he. Now I'm going to have to bleep yes. it out a second time. Don't bleep that out. That was gold. <laughs> All right, David, that's one That's one check for you. If you get two more okay. checks, and you're, you're, you're not getting the, to review Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I live for. All right. Only well. a small number of people are allowed to review Greenland. They've been pre-selected. <laughs> no, no one else can do it. They had all their teeth yanked out to pass the test. <laughs> that that wasn't the test. That was that's in this movie, isn't it? Are we watching talking that, about tennis? But that wasn't yeah. the test. All right. Anyways. Oh no! I thought it was a dental test. I completely misunderstood this movie. <laughs> dental hydroplosion. Yeah. Dental Washington. No. Nope. <laughs> okay, we've gone it, off it the rails. We've gone off the rails. Uh, this is going swimmingly so far. Um, you know, so, sometimes you have to make a joke to realize it isn't funny. <laughs> that, that was one of those times. I think that's that's what you want on your tombstone. <laughs> so, anyways, this is the latest film from Christopher Nolan. Whether you like this film or not, it's a pretty big deal. Um, it has made some waves. There have been issues with it being released, and it's finally here. So before we get started talking about this film specifically, we should go around the horn and uh, talk about what our feelings are of Nolan as a filmmaker and what our favorite films of his are. Um, so, David, you made some maybe controversial statements before we started recording. Oh, how do, no. How do you feel about Nolan? Never. Uh, I think he's great. I think he's a genius. Um, I would probably say my two favorites are Dark Knight Rises and Inception. I think it's important to pick, not just go with a Batman, but oy. Um, what I love about Nolan is he's bold. I love his wide shots. I love the, just every, all the shots he puts together. And um, I wasn't so much a fan of Dunkirk. I didn't really quite understand what was going on there and why that movie had to be made. But Inception I love, and I think Inception, similar to Tenet, is one of those movies that's better the second time around. Um, so I've been looking forward to this movie for months and months and months. Finally got it. So happy. Uh, delightfully purchased. And like I said before, watched a second time. I'll probably watch it a third time because I still don't quite understand everything that's going on. Um <laughs> Yeah, so this this one, you know, a little little uh, not so good on the on the Nolan meter, I would call it. Uh, hey, we're, not, we're like... not reviewing this film yet. <laughs> we're talking yeah. about Nolan as, as as the filmmaker and his other works pre Tenet. I honestly, I need all instructions provided written beforehand <laughs> so I can review them and make sure I understand. Uh, yeah, so Nolan, great, great, great. I think he's one of the you know the best out there right now. Way better than Tarantino. Throwing throwing down. Dang. Well, Stephen, your thoughts? Uh, not better than Tarantino, but I, I do like Nolan. I think we we litigated this a little bit in our Inception uh, review, where we like reappraised that movie just earlier this summer. I think. Yeah. Um, the the thing that Nolan does really well is also a thing I could criticize him for, which is that he makes movies that try to make you feel smart for watching them. But then everyone walks away feeling smart. So it's like a puzzle, but he's also kind of like handing you the like, here, you get to feel like you solved the puzzle. Go get it. And 
He's very it's like the good. Joe at that. Rogan of directors. Exactly. Yeah. He. he I, <laughs> I, I. I totally understand your reference there. It's like it sounds like you're having a deep philosophical discussion, but really, like it's kind of being spoon fed to you. Really, vaccines um, are stupid. I think that's what. That's we'll, what we'll talk about whether this movie fits that or not, actually. But I think he is amazingly good at doing that. Inception being the peak of that skill set, where Inception, everyone walked out of Inception thinking. That was amazing. You probably wouldn't get it. <laughs> like every every it works on everybody. Everybody thinks that was amazing. It was really complicated. You probably don't get it. Let me explain it to you. Um, which is what you want out of these movies. Like he's very 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 good at making these intricate puzzles. Um, my favorites. Let's see. So the Dark Knight is for sure one of them. Um, from there, it really depends. Like I kind of I want to say Memento just because of how like elegant a good movie that is like like it has one clear conceit that it follows and it follows it just perfectly um yeah i'm gonna say memento actually but i like all of them not all of them <laughs> i don't like interstellar <laughs> oh shit. damn i <laughs> love interstellar no damn i should have put interstellar as my top because that one that, that i like moved me i couldn't move i couldn't walk <laughs> after that the credits rolled i felt like i just had a religious experience if you couldn't walk you were probably stuck in a five-dimensional tesseract oh nice <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I am uh, a huge fan of Christopher Nolan. Um, longtime listeners of the podcast will know that of my top favorite, my top five favorite films of all time, he has two of them, one being Inception, which is probably my favorite film of all time, and then also The Prestige, um, which I think are both fantastic films that reward repeat, uh, repeat viewing. Um, so yeah, that's all I'll say for now. But you know, needless to say, I was very, very excited and have been anticipating this film for a long, long time. Um, so, without further ado, we are going to get into this review. So we are going to take a listen to the trailer for Tenet, and then we're going to come back and give everybody a review. We all believe we've run into the burning building. But until we feel that heat... We can never know. You do. You chose to die instead of giving up your colleagues. That test you passed? Not everybody does. Welcome to the afterlife. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. Nuclear holocaust? No. Something worse. All I have for you is a word. Tell it. It'll open the right doors, some of the wrong ones, too. I have to start looking at the world in a new way. Don't try to understand it. Feel it. 
happen here? Hasn't happened yet. All right. So that was the trailer for Tenet. Um, it is the story of a man known only by the protagonist um, who is armed with only a gesture and a word, the word being Tenet, who is tasked with trying to save the world from some dangerous threat that is looming. So some ground rules, guys. Okay. This film, we are going to have to spend most of our time talking about it in spoiler territory. Um, so this beginning part of the episode... Let's try not to do spoilers. I know this is going to be difficult, but we can basically acknowledge what that trailer acknowledges, which there is something called inversion. And what we know about it is that cars can flip backwards and bullets can be caught by guns. <laughs> and that is it. So we can talk about the existence of uh, inversion, but not go into too many details about what inversion is or how it might work. We'll save that for spoiler territory. Um, and... Yeah, we'll mostly play it by ear. If I have to dump out on something somebody says, then uh, we'll deal with it and we'll edit around it. But uh, let's try to remain as spoiler-free as we can as we get into this review. Sound, sound good? Why are you looking at me? Sure. <laughs> All right. So looking at you again, David Klein, as our guest, why don't you start yes. us off by telling us what you thought of Tenet? I thought Tenet was... Very entertaining, visually stunning, as usual, which I think is what we can now expect from Christopher Nolan. Uh, I felt stupid by the end of it, which is funny because we just talked about how smart you feel. Uh, I felt so stupid that I was angry at myself because I consider myself a good movie watcher and a somewhat intelligent person. And I had absolutely no idea what happened in this movie. I can't explain the last 30 minutes especially. I don't know what the goals were and what was what were the stakes and who were the bad guys and what their goals. I mean it was just very confusing. Um, and I feel like Christopher Nolan created this amazing world that I want to experience more of but just failed to make a cohesive movie, a story that makes any kind of sense. However, I will say that the second time around, as I've already said a couple times, uh, the second time around, this movie makes a lot more sense, also with subtitles, because I think a lot of <laughs> names are thrown at you. It's it's a little Games of Thronesy where if you haven't read the books and all of a sudden you've watched a couple of episodes and you're like, who the hell are these people? What are they talking about? A lot of names are thrown at you really fast. Uh, some of those names you don't even have to worry about, but you're like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to track who they talking about. Where is this thing going? Where where do I ha where do, what's next? What's happening? Um, I felt like it was really rushed where it was just bouncing from from scene to scene to scene, which when you say out loud, that's how all movies work. But <laughs> it's called editing. We didn't get to really <laughs> live with any of the characters for very long. It was just like, I go here. Now I go here. Now I go here. And there was not a lot of soul in the movie. I didn't really connect with the characters, which is really disappointing because there's some awesome people in this movie. Um, I felt like some moments in the movie were laughably stupid. And the way – like the music is super intense and it's, it's it brings you in. And then some scenes, the music is like, why are you doing this? This scene does not need this music and you're telling me something is crazy that's happening right now. And it's literally two people are having a conversation that is inconsequential. So a lot of just confusion <laughs> and frustration and I am not fully on board with this movie. I would – you know, I now I'm skipping to the very end of the podcast. Like I think everyone should see it, but I think you should – 
go in knowing that it's just like don't I mean feel it don't think about it you know just just try to enjoy <laughs> what you see and try to follow along and know that in Christopher Nolan's mind something amazing is happening and on the screen it's just not all there I think that's my that's my summary also by the way I watched this uh I decided to skip my surround sound and my big screen because I wanted to do the spatial audio thing, as Chris calls it, 3D audio. Uh, spatial audio, this new thing because of Apple AirPods Max on my iPad Pro. I think this is a game changer for entertainment. I think spatial audio is going to change everything. Like it's the greatest achievement in in it's the greatest innovation in audio. I've I feel like it's going from four by three to widescreen. It's like such a leap in the experience of watching a movie and I'm obsessed with it and I want to watch everything I've ever seen over again with spatial audio. It's awesome. Thank you. Plug. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. And if you use our promo code TSW, <laughs> you can check out for $50 off your AirPods or your AirPods Max. Anyways, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Tenet? So it, it's hard for me to review Tenet because I, I see everything david is talking about like you're like you're right this is i, I think i said in our inception review that inception was like the most nolan-y nolan movie that was him perfecting the art of i'm going to have a puzzle that i let everyone solve just enough to feel really enchanted and like really enticed by the fact that they were able to unpack it um this movie is not that this movie feels more like him doing like an alex garland type thing where it's like people are not going to get it and that's fine. Like, I want them to feel lost in the sci-fi and just roll with it. And that is kind of out of his normal territory. Like, that is different from what he usually does. Um, I think I think it is a visually amazing movie. Super, super entertaining. I think the Nolanism of it, of the fact that all these intricate pieces work or like you feel like they work, even if you don't know why they work because you can't track everything in real time. It is kind of a mind blowing experience. And I was really into it. I was really happy that I watched it. I think my, my main thought leaving it was like a convoluted Marvel is still a Marvel, you know, like this is like very convoluted and hard to follow, but wow, is it dazzling to watch it happen. Um, and what's interesting is when I say like, it's hard to follow. I don't mean inversion. I don't mean the stuff that we're going to spend most of our spoiler section talking about. Like, of course, the mechanism of that is a little hard for me to completely trace. But like, I thought I mostly got the idea of the sci-fi in this movie. The thing that I had trouble following was just the basic plot mechanics of who is this person? Why are they going here? Why does this person think they're going here? Why does this person want to help them if they also don't want to help them? What are they trying to accomplish? Like, there were things just about the basic exposition of the normal parts of this movie, I'll say. Like, the movie is kind of broken into relatively straightforward movie and then movie where shit goes off the rails. And even the straightforward part, I felt like the the plot and the exposition was extremely hard to follow. Um, I didn't really mind because I kind of the Nolan style is like a substitute for real plot for me. Like I still could have a fun time not knowing why the hell they were, you know, in that car chase to begin with. Um, but I couldn't quite follow it. I will say also, I, I chose not to use subtitles, but I did do headphones and I could hear everything pretty well. Um, so I, I'm actually going to be curious how much better it was to follow with subtitles. Like if that helped you 
more understand what all was going on. Um, I also, non-spoilery, I think the cast is really good here. Um, John David Washington, glad to see him doing, you know, something else as a like main protagonist. I think he nails the kind of cold, calculated character that Nolan likes to play with. You know, pe- people who should be like wearing suits and just like fucking shit up and be experts in something. Um, he's really good at it. I'm a big fan of messy Robert Pattinson. I like when he lets his like <laughs> his accent just fly and he looks disheveled as shit. I'm, I'm here for it. And Elizabeth Debicki is is like a perfect match for a Christopher Nolan movie. I think she she is really, really cool in this movie, even though as we get to in spoilers, I don't completely understand her, but I like her all the same. I guess I'll save the rest for spoilers, except to say there's a wonderful line delivery of we don't have a monopoly on snobbery, just a controlling interest. That, again, <laughs> a thing I loved, even though I didn't totally parse what it meant. But I'm like, that is a good line anyway. I'm here for it. I love you. Not going to try to do the voice of the actor who said it, but I'm a fan. Oh, you're not. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the movie... I think the movie has a ton of problems, and yet I thought it was great. That is yeah. that is my general synopsis. And just if you want a lot of impressions of the person you're talking about, I highly recommend watching the movies The Trip. Right. That That is why I didn't want to do an impression. I don't want to be compared to them. It'll only look bad for me. <laughs> All right. So I guess it befalls to me to sing the praises of the film Tenet. <laughs> Oh, um, it befalls you? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it from the beginning. I think Tenet is fantastic. I absolutely ate this film up, and um, I think it is a brilliant film. Um, it's already been brought up on this episode, comparisons to other filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino. I think this is um, this is Christopher Nolan's Inglorious Bastards. I think this is like mm. a, a peak sort of brilliant masterpiece um, from somebody in like their style of filmmaking. And I, 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 I don't really have a better way to, to like change my words than to say that I think this is a brilliant film. I, I know that there's a lot of discourse around it and some people love parts of it and hate other things. Even in this review, we've praised certain parts of it and, and said that there might be problems or things with it. But I think that, this idea that there is confusion around what this film is doing is somewhat puzzling to me, not because I think I'm smart and I got it, but because I think this, there's, there's three levels to what this film is doing. I've kind of already told this to Stephen a little bit off air like a few days ago while we were waiting to, for this review to come up. But I think that there is what the film is doing, which is told to you explicitly. The film is telling you that the whole time. There is why it's happening and to the extent it can, it is explaining that to you as well. That's like the actual text of the film. People are saying what they're doing and why they're doing it. And then the third thing is, how does this all work? Which gets into inversion and what that means for the world that exists here. And I think that the first two are pretty clear and defined to me. And when I say that, like, I think it's easy to get, we, we, when this came out, it came out, official release date was Tuesday, but it came out Monday at like 9, 9 p.m. And Stephen and I, at 9 p.m., were still recording our review of Parallel, uh, which is a terrible sci-fi film <laughs> that we had spent an, an, over an hour ripping to shred the mechanics of and different things like that. And then 
I was like, oh shit, Tenet's available right now. We finished recording. I grabbed a bottle of wine, sat down on my seat, oh boy. and I drank the entire bottle <laughs> as I watched this film on my first viewing. And I walked away from it going, that movie is fucking brilliant. Like, I didn't stop to go like, I don't think I understood what happened. <laughs> I was just like, yes, 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 give me more. This is brilliant. And I think that some of the confusion comes from the fact that, yes, some things are convoluted, but what people are not acknowledging is that this film exists in a world where knowledge is a weapon against the people who hold it from other people later on, and people are specifically being given tasks without reason because if they were given a reason, it could affect the decisions they make while carrying out that task. So it's like Nolan has sort of engineered himself a plot that takes the things that people would complain about and makes it key to the reason the story works. And I like it's like this invulnerability to the complaint about not knowing people's motivations because the the uh, the tenets of Tenet are that you literally cannot know why you're doing what you're doing you just know that it's what you've been tasked to do and i think that it's it's brilliant it might be cheating but it worked for me so much and i really really dug what this film was doing and why like someone might complain that like what the main character is just called the protagonist that's stupid it's like yeah because you can't fucking know his name that's the whole damn point <laughs> he is literally the key player in this story which has an end goal, which he doesn't even know at the start of his journey. And he is literally the protagonist in a story that, like, the reason why you don't know things is because the characters you are following don't know things. And when they receive the information, you as the audience member receives the information. And if you're trying to interpret things before you receive the information, you will become confused. But if you write it out you get the information in due time and then you can go back and reevaluate something you saw earlier. Um, for instance, I mean, we'll mostly talk about it in, in, uh, in the spoiler section, but like the first time we're introduced, the first time that the protagonist is introduced to something that is inverted, you could stand there and be like, how is this working? But if you wait for an hour <laughs> in another scene of exposition unrelated, you will get all the information you need to know to explain why and how that scene was taking place. And I, and I think that this film, the construction of it is, is there to give you everything you need. And you kind of like, it's, it's not, it's not turn it off and enjoy the watch and don't think about it too much. It's write it out and he will divvy out what you need to know as you need to know it to understand what the next scene will do. And I think that that like, it's the amount of time and effort that went into creating the story in this way to take you on this specific journey is just like masterfully executed. And there was one, there's one thing which we can, I don't know if we do it at the beginning or the end of the spoiler segment. Isn't that ironic? What, what, what's ironic? If, if you're going to tell it, at the beginning, if you're going to do it at the beginning of oh, yeah, the end. Gotcha, gotcha. Makes sense. <laughs> okay. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I love this film and I have now watched it three times through completion and I have watched sections of it additional times um, once because somebody who watched it with me may have fallen asleep during it and we had to finish oh uh, the end of it, but we just backed it up about an hour. So I've seen, I've seen the full runtime three times and the final hour an additional time and then some individual scenes that I jump back to just to get some like, to pull out some quotes at different times. So 
I've I have I've enjoyed myself thoroughly every time through this film and it only gets better every time you watch it much like the prestige yeah, wow. I don't think I would dispute anything you're saying um, I I the only thing I would push back on a little bit is is that all of, everything you're saying is true I still don't enjoy feeling dumb at the end of a movie and just being like totally clueless. That's that's the one part where it's like, yeah, it's really fun and it's, it's you know, and he does release it. It's a good point about – I don't understand the hate on the like calling someone the protagonist. Like it's the character's name. What's the big deal? What's the difference if it's if it's Chris or if it's a protagonist? Like can we just let that one go? Yeah, I had yeah, no I, idea there was hate around – like I haven't read reviews of Tenet because I wanted to be like unspoiled by it. So yeah. I didn't I, – I knew that generally people felt a little confused at least about it. But to like – like you talk and this will all be spoiler conversation because you won't be able to actually explain things to me now you talked about the what is it doing why are they doing it and how is it done to me the what and the how both make sense it's the why that i get lost and that goes back to nolan generally not being great at putting soul and motivated motivation behind the actions of his characters that is where i get lost and i know you are saying that the plot is such that the lack of clear agency is a feature, not a bug. And I'm saying in things like devs even or whatever, that works for me. And here it felt like there are many times when agency should be a thing I understand and I still don't. And I don't know if that's just me being dumb. <laughs> um, no. But that that is a thing that you're going to have to lecture me on in spoiler section. So but it, like, I, I don't dispute don't, uh, this is like a Mobius strip. Like he made a thing that is like very... Like, it isn't clear how he made it because it all fits together in a very yeah. intricate way. And I totally get that. Like, that is the Marvel. Like, I thought this was a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I also just think a lot of it doesn't make sense. And I don't know if I care that it doesn't, but it definitely doesn't to me at least. Yeah. yeah if I can't, if at the end of a movie I can't tell you what would happen if the good guys screwed up and failed, I have no idea what was going to happen if the good guys fail. That. <laughs> Which means there's, there's no stakes. That's explicitly that's, that's the whole paradox. Chris is, uh, you know, shitting his pants over. <laughs> no, like that. That's the only thing we know is what will happen if they don't succeed. No, I couldn't tell you. I can't wait to start spoilers. You can tell me oh. what's the what's the big deal. What's the problem? So, so I I also tried to avoid most things around this film until I had at least watched it twice. Um, and then even then I was like, should I dip my toe into Reddit just to see what people are talking about? And like the first, Never. the first three posts, I was like, I immediately want to like one person asked, I posed some question. I was like, no, you're fundamentally misunderstanding the way it works. And then I was going to reply and there was already like a thousand replies. And I was like, I can't not like statistically somebody else has already refuted this guy's statement with the point I want to make, but I can't make that point because I don't want to be like the 50th guy who's made that point. So I just I backed out and then I never looked back. <laughs> it's sort of it's a, it's a personal message for the audience. If you ever have the inclination, inclination, the inkling to go to Reddit to check something, just don't. <laughs> well, no. no so, so and that, that, Reddit could be renamed to the 50th guy who made the comment dot com. And I think it would still work. Uh, the first 50th guy who typed first. Um, yeah. But but I, so I, I think that the the that Reddit mentality is the problem with the way people are watching this film. Like I I've when I'm talking with other people, I have called it the West Worldification of mm. of content, and it's it went like you know 
all the way back to Lost and stuff, people were like gathering together and talking about theories and going and stuff. But I think when Westworld hit, it was really a thing where like the entire internet was like, we are going to solve every single little thing and ruin it for some people out there. Like I happen to enjoy the, the discourse and the theories and stuff like that. Even the ones that were like big spoilers because people knew it. Like I, I think the mentality of I have to decipher everything I'm seeing and I know this is Nolan. So I know this is going to be an inception type thing where the whole point of it is to question the nature of reality. Um, I, I think this film is not trying to do that. It is playing in a universe like the, the universe and what tenet is is the sandbox for a very specific story that is being told. And that story is logically consistent and self-contained. And I think everything else is, is stewed in people trying to um, solve a riddle that I don't think is being posed. And once again, this is me from the outside hearing things on the periphery, assuming what I think people are getting caught up over. Um, so I, I, I could be totally wrong there. But I, I, when I watched it the first time, I didn't try to process anything tricky. I just let everything that was there wash over me. And then when I rewatched it, I took all the individual scenes and reapplied the context that I know by the end of the film to those and was like, oh, shit, like, wow, that like even things that don't change the story but little hints at the way a character looks at somebody or a response they made at one point in time with later knowledge changes the entire context of, of what that conversation meant. Um, for instance, without getting into two things, whether something is diet Coke or soda water. Yeah. But see, I got that immediately the first time I was like, Oh, this is what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what? cool. Really? That's going to come oh back later. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That was one where I felt like that was a layup, personally. I, I agree now, with you. Now who thinks uh, they're smarter totally. than everyone? <laughs> this is not the Westworld kind of thing where you're supposed to go put together the puzzle. I, I totally agree with you. It's just I think what, what people are probably doing more is like, hey, this bullet has this significance because it goes back to this scene as opposed to like, whoa, is he older or younger? Oh, my God. Like that – I think you're right. I think Nolan is not trying to, to mess with everyone. It was just a, a more than your average confusing of a movie. That's all. Mm. As opposed to, hey, I'm going to mess up every – I'm going to mess with people and pull a Westworld. And yeah, I mean some people enjoy that. I just – I like to walk away from a movie and say, huh, I understood that. Yeah. Yeah, which I feel, feel like Inception made sense. I felt like, OK, you're going lower. OK, I'm lower. I'm lower. Great. I understand the world. <laughs> I understand the rules. Um, but yeah, this one – Oh, they, uh, I, oof, yeah, we got to we got to get spoilers because I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think we should dive into spoilers because it, it, it's too hard to talk around the the basic idea of the movie. And then I can ask you all my not all my questions that are not related to that basic idea, but are more just like, how come that guy did that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Perfect. We'll we will get into that. Um, so. We're going to do that now. We're going to get to verdicts for this film. Um, so, David Klein, if you were going to give yes. us a must-see, a record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, this might be a record. This might be the first time as a guest that I'm going to say recommend with a caveat. Wow. I think I usually go with must-see or <laughs> run away. Um, but, yeah, recommend with a caveat, and I have to say caveat because of that overall confusion of it's how do you have a conversation about this movie with your friends after seeing it 
everyone's just gonna go, whoa, that one scene was so cool with the with the cars and stuff. But no, like, what is this movie? Uh, what actually happens in this movie, especially at the end? <laughs> uh, and can we please have more kick-ass guy? But um, agreed. Yeah, recommend with a caveat. Um, if you like Nolan, of course, gotta watch it. And if you like action movies, I think gotta watch it. And I think. Uh, God, I can never remember. Denzel Washington's son is amazing in Black Klansman, and this, I think he's going to have an amazing career. Um, and yeah, if you like, you know, kind of basic bro Russian bad guys, you know, this, this is kind of fun. Oh, I hope that wasn't a spoiler. But yeah, recommend with a caveat. Thank you. <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the trailer. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Chris, you're really freaking out. <laughs> Like, you you just there. throw out the literal ending of other films at the beginning of this, and you're fine with that. But then you're like, oh, I don't want to mention that That's there's the a tenant way. I don't want to mention that the bad I guy's mean, a Russian. I'm my own self in my version of, of in my movie life, so I think that's not a spoiler for the Ethan Hawke movie. <laughs> it's like the whole reveal of the entire movie. <laughs> which made me stand up and scream, which is why it's such an amazingly bad but awesome movie. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Got me all exasperated now. All right, Stephen, passing it over to you. <laughs> uh, so going back to Ethan Hawke, you could say that the main character in First Reformed has very similar thoughts as one of the bad guys in this movie. Um, but... <laughs> About not bringing a kid into the world? I, I, I think you're forgetting how First Reformed ends, and I'm not going to spoil it here. Oh. Um, but... Anyway, we, we can talk about it off mic, I guess, because we're not spoiling First Reformed in our spoilers for Tenet. Yeah. This is a movie, I don't usually do this. I'm giving this a must-see, even though I think there are problems like with the movie. I think it is so overwhelming in the things that it does correctly, visually, um, narrative-wise, even when I don't understand it. This movie is like a not- that is twisting back and forth around a like center point in a way that I think is very, very cool. And I, I just feel like this is like a logical progression after Dunkirk of him having kind of let go of, let me give you a thing to solve and gone more into let me, you know, like you quoted it, David, at the beginning of this movie, it's the like, don't try to understand it, feel it like, a few years ago, Don't Try to Understand It would seem like completely anathema to a Christopher Nolan movie. Like, I feel like Try to Understand It is what he makes you do, you know? Um, and I think he is really embracing this feel it thing. And it did work on me. Like, I felt overwhelmed by it, even as I also felt like I should have understood more than I did. Um, so must see, also a lot of problems. <laughs> um, I, I, I think everybody knows. That sounds like a new new thing on the rating system must see with a lot of problems <laughs> everything is just it's must see with a caveat recommend with a caveat wait for rental with a caveat <laughs> and then must avoid stays must avoid <laughs> um but yeah for me this is a, a giant must see i have must seen it already three times as i mentioned before and uh i will you know probably in the future again watch it uh you know just just for fun because i I really, really enjoyed it, and I love what it is trying to do. And uh, briefly, we'll talk about some other things that I love about it um, being really good entries in certain genres of film. So, uh, <laughs> um, so hmm. we will we will get there shortly. Um, Can I watch it with you? Can we set up one of those watch party things? Because I would love to just hear what you're, what you know, and ask questions. <laughs> you just want to do a live commentary with me? 
<laughs> yeah, like uh, the blank check people. I love the live commentary episodes. They're fun. I, I think I mentioned it uh, to Stephen in our 10-year anniversary Inception review, but when when that finally came out on, on DVD, I watched it with one of my roommates who hadn't seen it. And like on his like his controlling, we literally were pausing it every five minutes to talk about what was going on. Um, what? And uh, it sounds like Inception. Inception, yeah. Wow. Um, Whereas I, I listen to those blank check uh, audio commentaries on two X without watching the movie. <laughs> I, like I do that like almost every day, <laughs> and it's fun. They're I don't great. need to even know what they're talking about. Just having a good time. Nice. Um, but yeah, that is going to do it for the spoiler-free section of our review of Tenet. Um, so for now, we're going to say goodbye. So David Klein, if uh, people yes. want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? I am D.I. Klein on Twitter, and uh, I live in San Francisco. <laughs> My P.O. Box. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, hit me up. Tell me if I'm right or wrong about this movie. <laughs> Steven. Uh, uh, you can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller, sdavidmiller.com, or write to me, stick, stickly, P.O. Box 963, New York City, New York State, 10108. I think Is that, that from, was the Stick Stickly like an old song. Nickelodeon show? I think oh, so. Okay. It's in my brain somewhere, and it had to come out when you said P.O. Box. <laughs> I always wondered, why does that place, New York, have two names? Why is it called mm. New York, New York? I don't understand anything. City so nice, they named it twice. Uh-huh. Uh, well, people can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Tenet, so hopefully you are enjoying that. That music is going to fade up, and then, like a palindrome, it's going to fade back out. And when that happens, we will be in full-blown spoilers for this review, so watch out, because if you weren't confused before, you're probably going to be even more confused. <laughs> but uh, this should be fun, hopefully. I, ho I hope this goes well. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but we'll be back in a moment. All right. We are back. This is spoiler territory. It is the after part of our review of Tenet. We are talking full-blown spoilers for Tenet. So if you haven't seen the film, I don't know what's wrong with you. It's freaking available. You can go watch it and you don't have to risk COVID. Just go do it and come back and we will talk about the film right now. So first things first, there is a, there's a character in this film that literally says the words, not time travel, it's inversion. But here's the thing. Right. This is time travel, and it is one of the, like, hands down, most interesting concepts of time travel, um, at least to me. Um, I think it is, it, I, in, in fact, I want to coin a new term. It's not time travel, it's time passage. Um, time travel is leaving a point in time and arriving at a fixed point in, a, in another part of time. This is remaining within one time envelope and always moving forward, but potentially in the opposite direction. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it's an amazing... Which was cool. Yeah, I think it's an amazing concept. This was, this was different. The, the, you, don't, you cannot jump time. 
you can just existent you can just go back or you can go forward one second at a time. I think that was a good idea. Hmm. And there's a few moments where I'm like, hmm, wait a second. How'd they even get there? And then you realize, oh, they were on a boat for like a week just chilling in an oxygen-filled room. Uh, and by the way, after the first – speaking of oxygen, just really quick. After the first viewing, I was like, wait a second. They don't follow the rules with the oxygen. But if you watch closely, they actually do follow the rules with the oxygen. And the people who are reversing are have it, are, get the oxygen. And I was really annoyed. But no, it does make sense. You just have to watch really closely of who is actually going in what direction. Yeah. Soapbox. Because there's there's more than one of the same people in, in those situations, right? And that's why it feels like they're cheating with the oxygen, but then you realize, like, oh, no, okay, it actually plays out correctly. Well, there's the, Or you just have to pay attention to when they reverse. The, the other thing that, that everybody has to remember is the, like, well, hey, one of the things we couldn't really talk about during the non-spoiler section is the turnstiles are fucking amazing. Yeah. I think the proving window is such a brilliant idea. I love it. We'll get to that in a second. But okay, yeah, I don't understand how the proving window works. It didn't bother me that I don't understand it, but I don't understand it. Uh, well, okay, we'll, we'll get we'll get there. But um, what people need to understand about how these rooms are created is that in most cases, with the exception of the Freeport location, they are built in a way so that there is a chamber already containing inverted oxygen. And a container, there is, and then there's a separate side of, of the, the, the apparatus, which has normal un or reverted air. I don't know what we call it. Um, and so unless you leave that enclosed canister after you've been inverted, you don't actually have to put on the oxygen ever. It's it's just yeah. once you leave that location. Yeah, they say they use the word airlock. Yeah, they say that like the airlock's going to open. That's when you have to have the oxygen yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And then the Freeport right. is the only location where it's not that because they have like a, a little tiny like micro um, micro turnstile which doesn't happen to have yeah. its own chamber, um, which is the only way, place it's it's different. Well, before we get into we explain the uh, the viewing party room, <laughs> can you please explain to me what happens? If our protagonist fails in the mission. Okay. So I don't know how, how far back I need to go back to, to explain well, no, it. Well, like, no, like the, I get that like the, 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 the machine thing is buried, which means hundreds of years in the future, the future people get the machine thing. Yeah. Then they know how to do the time trial, the time maneuvering stuff. But what happens to what happens so so th this is the thing that is like just pure like almost everything is purely sci-fi in this this is the thing that's hand waved away as a thing that you kind of just have to accept as reality but these machines invert the matter that passes through it the nine pieces that make up the algorithm inverts all things in existence it basically flips right so the whole universe would flow in the other direction yeah and it basically it. so it's, think think yeah. think the langoliers where like everything that's already passed is being just eaten by these monster things. When you flip the flow of time, it essentially, and that's the thing is nobody actually knows what will happen. Like the, like this isn't the atomic bomb actually going off and us seeing that there wasn't a chain reaction that engulfed the planet. This is nobody knows. So one group of people thinks that they take over the flow of time and the flow of entropy and they fix the planet and the world and everybody erases everything in the past and only moves forward in one direction and the other group doesn't know that that will happen but they're trying to stop it from happening because the future sure damn believes that it will destroy everything in the past so it's it's 
So the future people would start flowing backwards in time. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so and they the are, would basically world. colonizing the past. Like they would just like turn around and start like Got they it. basically like crush everything and that why... existed and start moving that way. And if this were really Nolan doing full Nolan, he would start to make you question whether we have always <clears> been flowing backwards and whether there's any difference between flowing <clears> backwards <throat> and flowing forwards. But he didn't. He didn't do that, and I respect the hell out of that. But I. I <laughs> so why is this a problem? I, I feel like you're... what happens to John David Washington if this if if he fails? The, well, the what same. Happens to... So so you know how when they leave the chamber they can't breathe, like they, yeah. like that would be true for everyone in the planet if the whole universe were inverted all of a sudden, like like the same idea would hold. It just flipped. Like their relation, okay. you're either going with the flow of the world or you're going against the grain of the world and going against so the grain is where die. a bunch of stuff is bad. Yeah. So yeah. you die. Every Everything would die is the belief. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Well, that's scary. Okay. Wow. This it's a good thing they are successful in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but see, the thing is, David, they were always yes. successful in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I like that they actually said that. They actually said, "Hey, if we're talking to each other right now, that means we must pull this off, right?" Okay. Well, see, see, better, but, better than that yeah. is that what one of my favorite lines in this film is delivered by Robert Pattinson, um, where uh, you know the protagonist is he's there and he's like, "But, but can't we just do it different?" And like Robert Pattinson comes back with this line that I think is just it's a brilliant summation of why this is different than most normal time travel films, where he says. If you're there to cause a change, you're not here to perceive the effect. And like this idea that like this is not me blinking in and out of existence along some finite plane of time. This is me physically leaving where I am and being somewhere else the entire time and living life in a forward momentum through time backwards to another point in time. So it's like you're not suddenly causing a change that ripples forward. You are existing the entire time as time is always passing. And it's like you can't you perceive the environment around you, but the things that happened are, are also affecting you and you are always affecting the things that are happening in the other direction. So it's like, you, it's the other world. It's, it, it's, it's hard to like explain it's, it. In, yeah. It, but it's great. Yeah, it, this is awesome. This is a great take on a time travel movie. What was the phrase you used? Not time travel. Time passing. Time passing. Yeah. Time passing. This is a great idea. Love it. Now, please explain why there's two bazookas shooting at a building. <laughs> what was that? So I did yeah, not understand. That's one of those things where it didn't bother me. Like, I honestly think the third act didn't bother me at all. Like, that is where people usually seem to think it goes off the rails. I didn't understand moment to moment what was happening, but I get the idea that I think two people are attacking this from both directions at the same yeah, time. It's a yeah. good They're idea. They're approaching some asymptote that is the moment that they think they need to... So that, hey, that so it, it's like five minutes from before, five minutes from after, and they're like trying to meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. And that is symbolized by the bazookas going together. I don't know why that it's, exact thing had so, to happen, but my brain was like, okay, I think I like this anyway. See, so this is the this is where we get to the most fun stuff. So you you've you've already stated this, but it, it's it there's a little extra stuff that has to be stated on top of it. So <laughs> blue team is landing at the explosion and fighting to 10 minutes before the explosion and that whole time they're fighting it they are fighting in a way that helps clear enemies and do stuff for red team who is landing 10 minutes before the explosion and working towards um that thing amongst red team is splitter cell or splinter group or whatever they're called splinter team whatever they're called 
um, who is carrying out a mission that no one else in red team or blue team are allowed to know about. They need a distraction so that they can continue along their path and everybody else isn't paying attention to what they're doing because nobody can know that they're going after the algorithm. So as part of this attack, which is coming from two different directions in time, uh, as they said, a temporal <laughs> pizza movement. <laughs> um, as that is a good idea. As that is happening, it is synced up that both teams will attack this building at the five-minute mark. So this building, which explodes and reconfigures itself and explodes again, yeah. all at the exact moment of five minutes on the ten-minute countdown, creates the distraction that allows them to get to the cave. Uh, or the entrance to the the cave, which takes them inside, so they can try to get the algorithm. So it's like it was it was pre scheduled from the the uh, what's it called where you have a plan that you're doing. <laughs> the basically they got intel from the other team to do this attack at this moment in time, and they were synced up, and they both called for a person who only had a bazooka specifically to attack this building to cause the distraction. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the third rail going off the third act going off the rails for me was because you never saw anyone shooting back, which really bothered me and distracted me, and I kept wondering like, is this all fake? So, because there's no one shooting at so them. So it, it it literally was not until the third watching this film that I saw the enemies. Like that that okay. that is honestly a thing that was kind of bothering me too. Like it's really impressive, but Nolan is so so concerned with showing you the passage of time forwards and backwards at the same moment and having people react to the things that are moving forward and backwards around them that like he forgets to show the enemy. Cause when you watch it, you're like, they are outnumbering the shit out of these people. This mission should be easy. <laughs> like yeah. what Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson is giving his mission. He's like, they have a turnstile, So you should expect forward or ordinance backwards ordinance. Like he's saying all this stuff, but then when they get I there, want the accent. you, you don't like, it, it seems like everybody's just running and shooting at nothing. But there are times yeah. when you do see squads of the people there. So you have a red team, brown with red accents, blue team, brown with blue accents. And then you have this like white camouflage. They look like they're... That they're, I didn't notice. Yeah. And I was wondering which team is they're that. They're basically and the I same people I, yeah. who are on the mountain at the end of Inception. <laughs> they're here at this base mm. for some reason. Yeah. yeah, at least you saw them. Um, I want to understand... Michael Caine says we detected an explosion in this town a week ago or whatever it was. Why was there an exp- – so that was the explosion. Same explosion. That happens at the end of the movie. Yep. OK. And this is where our Russian bad guy grew up. This was his hometown. Yep. OK. And he – when he uncovers that first trunk when he's a kid – that is from himself in the future with gold bars. No, and no. So he a he can't, oh, he can't make people. it to the future because he has inoperable pancreatic cancer. He'll never make it to the future. But the future, yeah. So one of the reasons why I said for homework you should watch episodes of the tra- uh, of Travelers um, on Netflix. Um, I think originally a ca- Canadian television show. Um, one of the things that film that centers around that film is this idea of the historical record and. All events that ever take place, um, the, the the future knows about. So you can't do anything without the future knowing. So the future always has the advantage in in all cases. So if you apply that sort of logic and that that world building to this film, essentially 
when the future is looking for a person in the past who would be willing to a compile all these pieces um, from places that are very dangerous to compile them and B is willing to actually set like willing to let them be set off because most normal people are like, well, I don't want to die and I don't want to destroy the rest of the world. But this one man who has this mentality of if I can't have the world, no one else can either is just 100% fine with destroying everything. So they, using the historical record of this person who, like, they basically picked him and were able to uh, plant this stuff so he would find it. And that thing contained the gold, which is payment, and some documents, which in Russian probably explained, like, hey, how about we destroy everything? And he bought on board to it. Okay. So... Yeah, okay. So so you answered, I wanted to know roughly how they communicate to him, but I'm going to take a step back because, again, the time travel stuff is not really what confused me. What confuses me is the whole stuff with the Russian Sator. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't understand why he lets John David Washington stay around. I don't understand why he tells him details about this drop-off in Tallinn. I don't understand why he seems to be okay with him being there and then is chasing him. Like, I don't know why he does anything in this movie. So, so what's the, the, the arms dealer um, from India, Priya? Is that her name? I think so. Yeah. Um, so yeah. she has a line. Cool, cool actress. Yeah, so, cool character. So she has a line in the film where she says, it will take a fresh face to complete this task and you're like the freshest face around i forget the exact line but basically what she's saying is like you are a blank slate and nobody knows who you are so there's no other stuff that will come in to call question to to what's going on with you so Seder just knows that it's this man who's really interested in like arms dealing and he doesn't quite know what's going on with them like there's there's even that scene where he tests him right where where he catches him on the boat when he's been hiding in the corner and he says the line of we live in a twilight world and then of course you know the protagonist being like the badass that he is, is like is that whitman it's pretty <laughs> and like he doesn't he doesn't like acknowledge that so Seder isn't sure yet exactly what is going on but he also knows Based because he's communicating with the future through all these drops and everything like that, he knows that everything's in line and he just has this last piece. So he suspects that this is the man who maybe caused him to lose the one piece in the first place. <laughs> um, but he's willing to work with him to get it back because he doesn't think that there's any threat from him. He's, he like doesn't he he doesn't acknowledge that this could be a person who could actually put a wrench in his thing. So he's using him to get the last piece of the algorithm back? Yeah. And he's just giving him intel he heard, but he doesn't have any control over that situation? Because my... Uh, well, say, the way it's say, the, like, say that last part again. Uh, like, like, when they do the driving heist, basically. Yeah. When they, like, take take control of the truck... Seder is not involved in that truck at all. He's just aware that that shipment is happening. So, uh, so that that scene takes place right. Because it seemed like he told them how to rob himself, and then got angry that they no, robbed him. That... And I didn't understand that at all. No, no. Okay, so so the opera mission takes place. Um, right. The uh, the Ukrainian government ends up in possession of uh, the uranium two two forty one. 
And so, mm. so now it's lost. Protagonist approaches him and says, I know where it's being transported. I can steal it for you. So that heist isn't from himself. That heist is from the government who is transporting it. So he's... Wait, I thought that wasn't plutonium in the beginning. I thought it was one of the nine pieces. It, it, it's always one of the nine pieces, but the the piece itself is referred to as as, as plutonium as, as two forty one. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I want to understand. Is there ever plutonium in this movie? No. Or is it always talking about one of the pieces? So the the objects are stored in places where nuclear disasters or testing have happened because they're areas that most yeah. people won't explore because of the radiation. Yeah. So it is it is given that name. And people, okay. like everybody who's worried about, quote, stopping World War III, all expect it to be a nuclear threat. But yeah, the very few people know what it actually is. But even the people who know what it is don't want to tell the people they're sending after it what it is because they don't want more people to know because of the historical record and the future can find information out once too many people know it. That's why there's the whole concept yeah. of loose ends, which is basically Tenet is like... To get in to this organization, to get it to become a member of Tenet, you have to basically be willing to kill yourself because you will be required to kill yourself in the end when you complete the mission. Because if you complete the mission and go on living, people can find out how you completed the mission and try to stop that from ever having happened, which means they will have always known and went back and tried to stop you from, <laughs> from doing it. And yeah, it'll right, cause it's, problems. It, it's like a kind of similar idea. Yeah. Yeah. But but John David Washington does not, or the protagonist does not kill himself at the end. Uh, well, we haven't seen the end yet. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he kills himself early in time. He he is his his goal. By the time this film is over, he had one. For him, it was a loose end. For other people, it was their loose end. They were trying to close, which he prevents from being closed by killing Priya and her person who was going to kill Elizabeth Debicki's character. So he had he had yeah. one thing, which is stay around long enough to make sure she isn't killed when they're trying to uh, to go back to the looper metaphor, close the loop. <laughs> um, yeah. So he had that. It, it's like if he was a ghost, um, which metaphorically he is, um, he had unfinished business. Mm -hmm. And technically he has finished that business. And he could, if he so desired, kill himself now. Um Especially, you could argue that his best friend isn't around anymore, so <laughs> maybe he doesn't have anything else left to live for. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyways. So, okay, okay I, I have another question because I, to me, Elizabeth Debicki in this movie serves a very, very similar purpose to Marianne Cotillard in Interstellar, or not Interstellar, sorry, Inception. Yeah. As the kind of, like even the the scene of her or you know the mysterious woman at first diving off the boat and her memory of that felt very very inceptiony to me that was like the most inceptiony thing in this movie yeah. was that happened and i was like that's going to come back somehow i don't know how yet but it's going to come back women jumping off of tall things just you know oh, always important in a christopher nolan movie um it seems like the the principle of time in this movie similar to like primer for instance is that you can't really change things because all the threads will have already happened right they all intercept and that's why you're watching you know you're watching the the evil robot us's fight the regular us's and like everything works out fine because time has already happened that way Seder is he dies on the boat in the end like he is shot on the boat and yeah. kicked off 
where does the Seder after that come from? Yes. Like the Seder Good after point. that, that is talking to John so, David Washington so, and doing all that stuff. So that that's why Elizabeth Debecki is so important. Because if you remember from the flashback, so the, the original time this scene happens, it's only in a flashback. But it's happened 14, before, mm-hmm. 14 days before the time when they first start inverting to take the boat back 14 days. But... Sure. <laughs> all makes sense. In her memory... She got back to the boat and he was not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember she said that. Yeah. The guy on the boat in the end scene knows what is happening and calls his guy at Stalsk 12 to make sure everything is going to, as planned because he's going to kill himself. So that guy is the guy who came back from doing all the other shit that we saw earlier. So it, at, at this point, in, in her reality, she thinks he's left, but he wasn't actually there. The other him who is doing this traveling around comes back to the boat. And, and when I said that's why Elizabeth Debicki is so important is if, if like go back and rewatch the scene where she's pointing the gun at him. This is the second time in the film that she's he's pointed the gun at her and he's looked at her and he said, like, no, you're not going to shoot me. And I know you're not going to shoot me because specifically um, because there are two different things that that would, would make somebody do or not do this thing. One is anger and one's despair and anger always boils over into despair and somebody who's full of despair is not going to shoot me. And in that moment, she's like, well, what do I look like to you? And she says, I'm not the person you scarred on the inside. I'm the one that you scarred on the outside. Mm-hmm. And she shows the scar and then he screams and then gets shot. He is the mm-hmm. one who shot her in in the, the right. room. So when he sees the scar, he realizes that she is not. So when she first, so oh, so that that's future, that's future, that's him future him. Back so to the past so basically, he, and existing him really is gone, and he's going to come back. So he goes back to that moment to kill himself because he's trying to go back to a moment when she was pretending to love him because he doesn't know that she mm-hmm. actually doesn't love him. When 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 they're talking and she's like, oh, we should bring Max back from the beach. He picks up the phone and he says, bring my son back. And inevitably, the person on the shore goes, well, do you want me to bring your wife back too? Because the other her is on the shore right yeah, he now. Looks and that right, makes, right, right. That, yeah. that's why he like, he, he says, oh, bring my boy back to the boat. And then he turns his head real fast and he looks at her. And, yeah, and like I, I got that part. It's just for some reason I, I can't separate the idea of there only being one version of everyone. And the fact that there are multiple parallels, like it, it does seem internally consistent. It just made it usually because like you said this is like a time passage movie not a time travel movie like usually in a time travel movie something would happen there and that would have to ripple into the future later but because multiple people are passing through time together it doesn't necessarily work that way in this case it was two future people getting in a fight that literally none of the past versions of themselves intersect with except for that one glimpse of her diving off exactly and that's why she has to throw him off the end of the boat and then dive in because otherwise they'll be like people are going to be like what what the fuck's going on like who are all these other copies of ourselves yeah. um but yeah, yeah. I, like I, that's i i really really love that um that just the recognition in both those scenes and and the fact that he he realizes in that moment that she is not the the woman who first pointed the gun at him <laughs> uh, metaphorically she's this changed person that he has already shot who is here and knows what is happening but like but yeah like when when, when he looks at her he makes the call to Stalsk 12 to make sure that he understands what's going on there um and then he still is questioning it 
but she plays it off as like, oh, well, at least if, as long as you can tell me apart from Anna, then everything's cool. And he's like, all right, maybe they, everything's fine. He starts to let his guard down. But it's when he realizes who she really is. That's when he loses his shit right before getting shot. Um, so I really, really enjoy that. I, I have another question. The cool, like, free, the driving chase scene, there is a key moment where Seder is, like, in a truck driving backwards with Elizabeth Becky in it, and the driving backwards is really cool. Is that just a cool effect, or am I meant to believe that they are driving a, like, inverted car or, like, something is happening in reverse there that makes the backwards driving be what it is. Because I can't, I can't rectify that as anything except for someone hitting the reverse pedal. But I don't know why they're doing that. <laughs> um, so they are, they are searching for... So they arrive at that moment because they are searching for the, uh, where he hid the, 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 the 241. And they mm -hmm. are... They are in forward moving vehicles but they are inverted so they are they got into vehicles after inverting and drove them to this scene and that's why they are backwards so they are like but they have so they have forwards elizabeth bicky though in the car with them. She, she is she's forwards yeah yeah okay that's which is why she doesn't have oxygen that, that's why he puts the oxygen on her when he brings her into the room that he shoots her in because the room is filled with inverted oxygen um, which which mm. brings me to oh, my God, I did not put that together. Which brings me to the, my one complaint about this <sighs> film. Um, I love this concept of inverted oxygen. The problem is that bullets are a combustion based weapon, which means they need oxygen to explode to fire a bullet. So how do inverted guns fire if there's no oxygen to feed Don't them? Don't think about it. Feel, feel it, Chris. So the oh, my only, my, my, so, I mean, all the people. That's your one complaint. All the, <laughs> all the people using <laughs> them are familiar enough what's going on. So I guess I haven't like tried to work this out on a whiteboard or anything. But I guess you could say the gun is inverted, the bullets are not. Mm. But then they talk about getting hit with an inverted bullet. So they definitely talk as if it were inverted. And they, they talk about like it's worse than getting hit with a regular bullet. Yeah, so... Mm -hmm. so It's more damaging. So basically, unless it's like a special like future working gun that's pumping in inverted oxygen to the bullet itself, it, something, something doesn't work about firing a bullet in a world where there's inverted oxygen. But okay, so put me in... Uh, reverse traveling satyr's position i am in a car a forward a forward car but i'm traveling in reverse and so i'm driving it and elizabeth de becky at a certain point falls into my car no no, from, no because like we're watching her in the forward time that she's experiencing so, but so, the drivers are going in the other time so after he beats the shit out of her um, and he's like, no, blah, blah, blah. He goes and inverts himself. His people bring her outside where he's already inverted. He gets into the vehicle and throws her in the car. So she is passing forwards in time. She, she, she is forward moving in a inverted. Sorry. The vehicle and her are sitting in a non inverted vehicle being driven mm -hmm. by inverted people, um, which is super fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, was the scene I was talking about inverted, in the beginning, by the way. That means, like, the, the fight... 
because our perception of the scene is like they're driving and John David Washington comes and like kicks them out or whatever, and then they're not behind the wheel anymore, and no, then he has no, to no. rescue her. They, they they escape in another vehicle. So they 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 show up having just flipped his car where the handoff is about mm-hmm. to happen. They travel around, they spin, then they, now they're driving backwards to match his forward progression. And they go, we're going to do a handoff right now, or I'm going to shoot my wife. And he goes, fuck, okay, I'll throw you the thing. As soon as they Mm -hmm. make the handoff, another vehicle pulls up alongside theirs, and they get out, leaving her behind, so he can't chase them because he's going to try to save Elizabeth Debicki's character. So that's that's what's going on there. Um, How'd they invert the boat? (laughs) (laughs) There's a giant boat with like a hundred Marines on it, and they are cl- it is clearly moving backwards um, in time. Where's the turnstile for the I, boat? I'm, I'm going to blow your mind right now. A boat doesn't just manifest itself all in one piece. You just invert all the pieces and then assemble the boat. Oh, so they have like a dock somewhere, a docking station somewhere, dry docks? I mean, they have like inverted construction workers. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. So, oh, last question. Um... <laughs> There are multiple times in this movie where people are going backwards in time surrounded by people who are going forwards in time. Now, if I'm a normal human being with a cellular telephone and I see people moving backwards and it's not some kind of circus show, I'm going to take out my phone and record and say, what the hell are these people doing? Let's be honest. You'll just go like, this is probably some dumb TikTok, and then you'll continue what you were doing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh. I was really disappointed, by the way, that they didn't do a time cop thing, because if you bring up the fact that you can't touch yourself, you can't touch your your past or future self because of, quote, annihilation, you got to show me an annihilation like at the end yeah. of time cop. That just sounds cool. Like, what is Christopher Nolan? How does he interpret that? And that, that annihilation thing is also interesting because they're. They so they reference Feynman here, like Feynman Wheeler. And here we that go. Is, here we go. No, no like, I'm not going to explain that pipes. because I haven't taken particle physics in like ten years or whatever. But mm. in a particle physics class, like there's all this math, but then what they teach you are these Feynman diagrams, which is basically like there's left and right, up and down, and it's basically time is one axis and space is another axis. And what his point was is that any interaction that works one way can work pointing in any of those four directions. So like if two particles colliding in space cause a photon, you could rotate that. So it's like, basically you can rotate time and space and things can flow backwards and the exact same thing can happen. And there could even Mm -hmm. be like different angles that offset it. So things happen in time rather than a spatial collision and vice versa. Yeah. Um, it's a really cool idea. My point, though, is I don't know why the fuck you touching your older self would cause annihilation. Like, that isn't, yeah. as far as I know, the meaning of, like, a particle and an antiparticle. That just feels I like just Nolan's, feel like, like having bring fun it with up. the word well, annihilation. Well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the Feynman and Wheeler scene was brought up in a completely unrelated scene to our finding out that you get annihilated if you touch yourself. Yeah. So we... No, I'm just saying annihilation sure. comes from those diagrams oh, okay, of, gotcha. like, uh... You know, uh, a particle and an antiparticle can collide. Because an example of the reversibility of time is a particle and its antiparticle can collide and create energy. And what Feynman said is that means out of just energy, two particles could spring up a particle and its antiparticle because the inverse could also happen. And that is like where a lot of like Alex Garland's uh, annihilation gets like different 
ideas to play with. Yeah. Um, so I think when they talk about Annihilation here, they are very much trying to play in that Feynman wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, but that's all if you believe in science and don't use Facebook. But sure. <laughs> yeah. But but okay. you probably take vaccines too, sucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 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 for me, those are one of those things that you can just take for granted because, like, Tenet, this is a thing that you act on just upon by faith. So so which is which is another thing that I want to bring back to. Like, there, there's a bunch of like lines of dialogue in this film that I really really like. And like the second time I started watching this, I was, I, I started taking notes on just things that jumped out to me that I really really liked. And at one point, I wrote. And like once, like I said, this is the second time I've watched the film, so I can't, I can't, I can't rule out the fact that things were existing from the previous watching the film. Um, but I wrote down one of these notes that like Tenet is sort of like a zealot mantra, because all of these people are doing these actions based on a belief that they're preventing a thing which seems impossible from actually happening. And then like right at the end of the film, <laughs> there's the line where. Uh, where Seder says, your faith is blind, um, you are a fanatic. <laughs> and like, like he has this big line of dialogue about how like you take your missions from people whose names you don't know. You, you basically do things to stop events that you don't understand and you blindly believe in this mantra of Tenet. Um, and I was like, I was like, yeah, fuck it, it is. It's like, like the zealot mantra. Like, no, they're, they're, people are complaining about the motivations of the characters and that's what it is. This film is all about faith in the mechanics, which is another line that I also loved in this film, um, that it's really, it really comes down to like people who believe in something that is going to destroy the world and they have to blindly follow it and not just blindly follow it. They specifically cannot know more than they need to know to carry out their mission yeah. because knowing anything more could threaten the, the, the outcome of, of the things. Um, I want to talk about the fight <laughs> between uh, John David Washington and himself. Yep. Mm -hmm. Why is it so awkward? Was that bad choreography or is that to show something about time passing? Like, are they showing time going? They, you know, you, you clearly see time going forward, then backward, then forward, the backward. It, what is going on there? Because the, the, the hands are so so, so this goes back to Wheeler, not the the person we were talking about and, and Stephen's analogy, but the character of Wheeler, who is the first one who's like, well, Aaron Taylor Johnson is yelling cowboy shit <laughs> as, as protagonist is deciding what he's going to do and go out into the world. And she's explaining how the world works. Like the, when you run, the wind is at your back. If you come into contact with heat, you will get cold. Like the actual laws of physics that are being applied by any character's movements are reversed to the person that they are fighting against. So like if yeah. like the momentum of every punch and impact is inverted to what you are applying to the person that you are fighting. So it's like, it is awkward yeah. on purpose because some of them are like throwing backward punches and it's, it's, this is where you can start to get into like the crazy shit of like, let me draw diagrams and stuff. But basically it's really, really hard to fight an inverted person. <laughs> yeah. So the, cause I, I noticed in the uh, honest trailers for this, that they talked about how the choreography was bad. And I was like, no, 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 this is Christopher Nolan. They're not going to, they're going to not do that scene if it's bad. There, there's got to be a reason why it's so uncomfortable. So that's because it's like, yeah, punches are moving backwards. Right. So well, it, just, what, it just looks funny. Well, what's weird, too, about fighting an inverted person is normally in fighting, you take a hit and then you are damaged. And so, like, you are more bad at fighting later. But when you're fighting an inverted person, they are experiencing the flow in the opposite direction. So them d hitting you, like 
you are you are stronger after they hit you than before they hit you. Like so, I, I don't really understand no, how that no, works. No, so the the impact mm. of what you're doing affects them forwards, but they receive it backwards. So like punching somebody in the chest would feel like the punch is coming from inside of them outward. So oh, so weird. the force of the force of the interaction, the entropy of it is reversed, but you you receive that damage in real time. Right, you. but your real time is flipped from their real time. Yeah, so if yeah. I'm inverted and I come after you, you are most damaged like when I first show up. <laughs> no, because the, right. the yeah, and then you get stronger over time. You get yeah. fewer damage. But because then at the end of our fight, you've never like that's right. You've never but, but no. So your your first punch is the weakest of your punches because you're exhausted from fighting. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, everyone is the, is both the strongest and the most damaged at the middle of the fight. <laughs> With that fight, are they not like, hey, 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 stop, stop? I'm not, I don't, I don't want to fight you because it, it almost feels like they're fighting because they don't get the opportunity to say something. So, but see, that's that's the thing is those actions of their opponent have already been taken. So when he when he ah. reverses himself, he is. I was like, why isn't he stopping and just throwing his hands yeah, up? Like he would just take a header, if, <laughs> right? Like he would just take one to the face if he stopped trying to guard that. Um, Okay, yeah. so let me let me imagine I'm there's an inverted person who comes up, punches you three times, and then shoots you in the face. Oh my god. Now I, I am a forward moving person anxiety. watching this fight. Am I seeing a dead person laying there for all eternity and then suddenly a and bullet get slipping up. out of their face and then they get up and start <laughs> punching somebody? That's what happens at the yeah. end. So with the guy with so the backpack. I'm, so Neil. Um, no, I didn't want to spoil. We're it. in spoilers. Well, we're in spoiler section. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to have to edit this down, so this temporally makes sense. But I am going to send you guys right now on, oh, no. on your mobile devices. So the ending is the is the one part that I really really spent time thinking about every time I watched it because the movements are all erratic. And people are behaving strangely, and I can't, fu- I couldn't fully tell who was forward and backwards and what. Um, so the characters yeah. at the end talk about how Neil is going back to try to open the door for them. My argument is no, he's not. Neil is not going back to open the door. He is going there to absorb the headshot that was meant for the protagonist. He basically sacrifices yeah, himself yeah, to, sure. yeah, like it has nothing to do with the door, yeah. but he doesn't want them to worry about what he's going to do so he's just doing it so the clip i just sent you is that moment forwards and backwards editing out all the cuts to places that are outside of that space and anything that's not looking at those views so like (laughs) if you just watch this real fast i'll hit play oh and then he runs away but like when you watch oh and now you watch the repeated version where Neil is sort of like hiding in the corner and right before the guy pulls the trigger, he slides in, absorbs the first shot. That guy seems to have just watched him come out of nowhere, firing a second time, and that ricochets off hitting himself, making him drop his gun. And it doesn't look like Neil's dead, though. No, so Neil is dead first before he's shot in the forward motion. Yeah. 
So basically what I thought was true yeah. is true. It so just seemed the, crazy to me. And it's because we don't see people fight inverted people and kill them until the end. Yeah. Basically. So basically in this world, a dead body pops up, the bullet comes out of its face and then he takes actions, yeah. which the guy who just shot him sees those actions and gets distracted. So Neil's forward momentum to the moment he dies is perceived as reanimating and stepping away from the the, the impact of the shot. Yeah. Um, Woof. That's a that's a tricky one. <laughs> that's a that's a yeah, yeah. this this is a hard one. But so we got it, through it. I think yeah, we did it. Because it it just seems like an inverted person. Then if an inverted person just wanted to be a dick and just shot any random old person walking on the street. <laughs> I don't know what normal world looks like anymore. Like, how long is that person laying there? <laughs> so, okay, so so an, an, another example of this, which I kind of didn't notice on my first pass through. Um, I mean, I noticed, but I didn't notice the 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 un, unverting, the reverting of it. Um, but uh, <laughs> protagonist says, "Neil, get us a car that's fast but doesn't look fast." I guess BMWs don't look fast, but whatever. <laughs> um, so they have the car, and they're sitting waiting for the mission to start, and it has a broken. A side view mirror yeah and yeah when the cars pass each other it unbreaks so they rented mm, a car yeah. <laughs> that had a defect in it which didn't exist before this encounter um but happened because of the inverted time so when like when we talk about like things like you know butterfly theory and stuff literally if an inverted person breaks something that thing existed broken for as long as that thing existed uh like because it is broken moving forward in the other direction. So it does. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so if I do, if I am inverted and I want to kill a regular person, what's really going to happen is I'm going to walk up and see them laying dead. And then I'm going to slurp a bullet out of their chest and keep walking. Is, like, that's is that what, that's what we yeah. who are not inverted would see. You would see a backwards moving person that you walked up and shot in the head. Mm -hmm. Because for you, that's time right. is moving backwards because you are inverted. But then, then the question stands, how long do people keep walking by this dead body? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the dead body also, the very fact that this person fell down and died, that seems like the flow of time for them moving f opposite of what it should be. Because, like, that body, what if it lays there, it just rots for days so, in reverse. So, that shouldn't happen because well, that's that individual experiencing well, time wrong. No, because the body would be discovered and then dealt with so for you because because your bullet is inverted but the bullet doesn't invert them too they remain forward moving so what 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 you would what, what you would see is a bunch of people running in random directions as you walked towards sorry for you yeah for you you would see people running in different directions and then slowly becoming more organized as you watched a very, very confused person staring at you because you were watching, walking backwards, and then you would shoot them. And then... That's my point. <laughs> this would be on Instagram in a second. So, <laughs> so they would, they would mo more, more than... Somebody would see you coming, but what, they, <laughs> but what they would see is a dead body pop up and a guy pointing a gun at them after they popped up, and then that person running away backwards or walking away backwards. Yeah, okay, but that means there was a dead body there. So you said people would dispose of the dead body. So, but this in normal time would mean they're disposing of it before the body pops up. No, 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 because the body, 
existed, <laughs> the impact happened, and then the body fell to the ground, moving forward, continuing forward in time on its timeline. So for you... By the way, what you just said, that audio clip should be the intro <laughs> for the show. That little six-second chunk. Right. I, I should draw a diagram. Okay. Person A is... You should. You yeah. should draw a diagram from both directions. Yeah. Yeah. So per- person B is moving backwards. See, B is for backwards. Person <laughs> B walks up and shoots person A. Person B walks up and shoots person A. In person A's timeline... This weird backwards moving person, like pointed mm-hmm. a gun and they die. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That means in person B's timeline, they should be walking up to a dead body, and yeah. then the dead body pops up and they slurp a bullet out of their head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but so so what what you're what you're not what you're so the way it would work is. That body, let's say it takes 45 minutes for somebody to arrive and put a blanket over the person and then people to like look at the scene and then somebody to take the body away. All that stuff happens in real time. But from the, so if you killed the person, that time happens before the moment that that person popped up to get shot. Right. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah all I'm saying is that means like people moving backwards wouldn't feel I don't know it, it would be weird to get used to because you can't just point your gun at anybody walking around. It's like you are seeing the ramifications of your intent already before you do it, and you're bounded by your intent, right? But but for you, that so so th- this is the problem: is that time doesn't stop. The time that you are approaching doesn't stop; it's always moving. So for you, you can yeah. only see what is happening so far. But like that scene in the end, right there, where. Neil steps in front of the gun and then falls dead. That's exactly what you're describing right now, right? They came and saw a dead body on the ground for who knows how long. And then it wasn't until that moment happened that they realized why that dead body was there. And then even, even right. protagonist... I, I guess the Neil one feels different because he's been moving forward and backward in time. So like I expect it from him. Whereas regular <laughs> people who are just moving forward for the first time, it's hard for me to... But, but for any... Per- so how do you die? How could, is, does that mean Neil's alive? So there are lots of Neils. He's been through turnstiles a lot. And for every yeah. turnstile, like when you enter the turnstile, another version of you come also entered the turnstile from the it's other the side. prestige again, basically. Yeah, yeah. Except for unlike the prestige, there is no question of who is who because all of these have the same motivation. So, so this entire film... Um, the 14 days and for however long their relationship existed before the film started, Neil has always been going back, keeping protagonists alive. Like in the opening scene in the opera, mm-hmm. when Neil thinks he was, yeah. I mean, sorry, when protagonist thinks he was almost shot by an inverted bullet, he wasn't. That was Neil shooting the guy who was pointing a gun to the back of his head. So Neil, uh, yeah. Neil has been like, Neil's like fucking time master. <laughs> He's he's the one that has yeah. like a lot of information, some of it given to him by a protagonist, um, and he has been just fucking gallivanting all over the place. Um, so he he is like, and which is which is once again like when people talk about there being no emotional core to this film, like maybe you have to watch the film three times, but like I am moved to fucking hell at the end of this film when like protagonist is yeah. like realizing what Neil is doing and. The fact that, like, like first of all, frickin', uh, 
John David Washington is like acting shit out of that scene. Like he is fucking great yeah. in that moment of him just realizing and saying these things to Neil. And Neil is just sort of like, it is what he does and he has to do it because this is the tenet that he believes in. And like, it's, I, I yeah. just, it, to me, it's really, really moving. And all this stuff that is not part of this film, which is the relationship they've had for the last year or however long that they've been doing all this stuff before these moment in time. Um, I feel the impact of that when I watch those two act together, especially rewatching every single scene that Neil interacts with protagonist in this film. You can tell there's this knowing like he is almost amazed that he is looking at this person who's like his best friend who doesn't recognize him because he doesn't know that they have this relationship yet. And like, there's this knowing telling yeah. sort of thing in his eye that comes through a lot in the performance that he has. Um, and I think it's something that like is really, really easy to appreciate on future viewings. But when you're trying to figure out what's happening, <laughs> uh, when you're watching it the first time, it, yeah. it sort of might fly by or not be as important. Yeah, Stephen, this is a thing that comes up in the reviews is like there's no character development, there's no art, there's no emotional mm. arc, there's no relate, there's no any kind of connection between characters. And I actually agree with Christopher. I, I do think there was that connection at the end, and I, I think the acting was incredible there. Totally agree. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it. I would just say a, a connection at the very end doesn't necessarily substitute a movie length with very little connection. Even though I understand story-wise, when you then back protect it, it's like there the whole time. Yeah. So it's cool. It's cool. It just isn't the, the kind of emotional connection that usually makes me interested in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Also agree. Yeah. So I think, uh, Tenet. <laughs> we <laughs> we did it. I I want to say, uh, I am glad we, we live in a post Twilight world. Because Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart have both become very cool actors in <laughs> in the last decade. Yeah, are you going to review uh, Happiest Season? Uh, we reviewed uh, we it already. What kind of maybe dedicated should, fan are you? Maybe you should invert yourself and go every back time. <laughs> to the back catalog. You must have reviewed it before I saw it, because I don't listen to the ones that I haven't seen. God damn it, so, this happens every time. So, so embarrassing. So, so one more thing, just to talk about. I love the turnstiles. I love the evolution of the turnstiles like the fact that it's like mini turnstile big turnstile boat turnstile um the vertical shit fucking great um but uh i one of the other things i really really love is unlike traveling in a delorean or a phone booth or a box that you store in a warehouse you can't carry your method of travel with you so yeah. when you invert yourself you have to either bring all the pieces to build an inverter in the past so that you can revert yourself so you can travel forward again, or you're just going backwards forever and you'll never return to the normal world. Um, wait, wait, the turnstiles don't go both ways? So No, they do, but they had to be created at some point. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Th they do. So if, you're just, if you stay in the room indefinitely, then then yeah but like you always need to return to the turnstile to revert yourself so it's like you can't you can't just yeah. like like if, if, it, if you had one chance like maybe you were going to crash a plane into a building so you could go through the turnstile if you don't have a way to revert yourself you will never start going forward again because yeah. you can't get back to the one tur turnstile you knew about um and they talk about that they talk about like where are you gonna how are you gonna get back 
and he's like, "Well, we can use the one at the at the Freeport in a week." Yeah. Why did why why did he need to go to that one? Because the, they they were leaving where they were, and they weren't going to be able to return there. And they knew they were they were like, yeah. "We're going to travel to try to get to this other location." But how do we revert ourselves? Oh, when yeah, we know we, we know okay, there's yeah, one yeah. there. Um, but yeah, so so earlier I, I referenced like trying to look at one Reddit comment and then seeing somebody's post and being like, I, I need to respond to this. But the person was posting that like they're like, it's dumb to chase Seder after he goes through the turnstile. Why don't you just wait until like if you wait five minutes, <laughs> then five minutes before when he went through the turnstile you should be able to catch him and i was like no that's wrong because he's continuing like if you wait five minutes and go through the turnstile or go through the turnstile and wait five minutes he is now 10 minutes ahead of you because for the five minutes you were waiting he was also moving so like i I couldn't (laughs) understand why somebody was complaining about the chasing somebody through a turnstile because it makes 100 percent sense (laughs) this is why you should avoid reddit at all i've learned my lesson there is no good from reddit just 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 yeah make your own chris it <laughs> uh let's see any so i, I do want to say one more thing i'm talking about trying to, to solve to solve things yeah. um when the first exposition scene we see with the scientist who was like going over the the things um uh an example of why it's not important to try to solve everything as it's happening in real time is in that moment you might go like okay i get it bullets inverted the wall like she says she received the wall and the guns and the bullets and you can go like okay it makes sense because somebody uh took a gun shot a wall then inverted the wall and the bullets and took it to the lab so they can experiment on it but when she's playing with the bullet itself you're like how does this work and you're like well maybe the gloves themselves are inverted like you can try to throw out random ideas like that but then you learn later on that everybody thinks that the reason this stuff works is because inverted radiation so people are just wearing the gloves to protect them from the radiation that they think is powering it so there's nothing about the gloves itself that actually acts on the bullet (laughs) it's purely the action of acting on the bullet that does it so which like is which is explained when Seder puts his hand in the case and all the gold bars fly up to his hand it then you're like okay yeah, well cool he doesn't cool. need it so it's just them blindly believing that it relates to radiation so they want to wear gloves so like those type of things are yeah that scene that scene bothered me that with the scientist because he fails to to pick up the bullet and then she says like you have to have dropped it so then that made me think oh you have to have some kind of belief or something to make it real. Right, it's like, like Bill but and it, Ted planting in the future but the yeah. weapons so they can pull them out. But once again, go back to the Wheeler moment where she talks about you running and feeling wind on your back because it's not air pushing against you, it's the wind pushing you forward. Um, so it's the opposite reaction. Yeah. So there is something about the attempting to drop it, like snatching it applies a force that is inverse to what it would do if you dropped it. So it's like there, it's it's action taken by you that is causing the inverted object to move. Just like if the inverted mm-hmm. object uh, caused something to happen to you, it would happen for you forwards. But it, it's like, it's one of those things where you just kind of have to go like, I understand what it's saying. It works. I get it. The more you try to like diagram yeah. it, the, the how for that doesn't work, but it's cool anyway. <laughs> like the, the why is good enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. I gotta think more about that. Yeah, maybe I should watch it again. In reverse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Uh, actually, I guess it's the the inverted entropy is the important part of the of the bullet. But anyway. yeah, because you you making your hand go like that doesn't do anything to the bullet down there. It's just that entropy is inverted in the exact way that would make it jump up at you. Like, the, like any any time travel movie becomes a movie about lack of agency because you can't really have agency in a world where you can impact the past. Um, and so in this case, like, it could be, again, a token of their blind belief that feeling like they have dropped it is what makes them pick up the bullet when really only those bullets where that is what they believe had been yeah. dropped by them. So, so this is this is why I I I almost said prescribed. This is why I assigned time crimes as as a film to watch for homework is is because yeah. if if I can give the fully reductive explanation of what time crimes is, it is a guy sitting in a lawn chair who sees some weird stuff in the woods goes into the woods, sees a bunch of more weird stuff, finds a building where there's a box, gets in the box, and when he comes out of the box, he realizes all the weird, weird things were him, and he does the things that he saw happening so that he sees the things that made him make his way to the box. So it's like somebody acknowledging that what is happening is a causally linked to themselves and then making that thing happening in order not to disrupt what happened. With me? <laughs> <laughs> That's the podcast, everybody. <laughs> but no, but like, I hope you enjoyed the cinema. What I'm saying so. We're, like, yeah, no, I, no, I, I get it. Yeah, and, the, and, and that's the, it's kind of like Christopher Nolan making a movie. Like the desire, <laughs> the need for internal consistency becomes the only thing that drives you at a certain point. But yeah, nice. so, so like the the film is about people who believe in a thing being true and act in accordance with that belief and making sure to carry out those things. It's like when Neil knows that he was the one that was inside there that let them out, he has to go back in there to do that thing, right? So it, it's people doing this thing. And it's like Neil's last line before he, like not counting his voice over at the end, but like his last line is he says, what's happened happened, which is an expression of faith in the mechanics of the world. It's not an excuse to do nothing, which is like him saying that like, look, we have to do the things that we know happened because that's how we make the things happen. So it's like, this this film of like characters talk about the grandfather paradox, but what this film is actually dealing with is the yeah. bootstrap paradox, um, which is like the thing creating itself from doing the thing that like they are observing it do, um, which is time crimes, which is other films. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's but like what. For me, what makes it brilliant is that the people behaving in it believe it needs to happen, and that's why they make it happen. It's not just, this is not a John Connor realizing that the reason he becomes the saver of the world yeah. is because he went to the place they told him to go to, and he was the first person to pick up the microphone. This is, I know that I will become this thing. I need to make it happen so that it does happen, so that I can make it happen, so that it does happen in forever perpetuity um or posterity i just want to point out that what you just said about john connor is no longer in canon what? that's like my favorite thing <laughs> terminator 3 is no longer canon boom it has been uncanonized dang sorry you're talking about nick stall picking up the microphone and saying i'm in charge <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you didn't say i'm in charge you went um hello is this is this the <laughs> resistance <laughs> 
<laughs> that was a good voice. Also, please don't do that to me in Sin City. It hurt a lot. Um, all right. Any last questions, guys? <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's more if I review it again. But yeah, fun. It was fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of questions. Is this the longest episode? Chris... No, we've passed two hours before. Oh, yeah. When Chris is texting. No, I was so... looking at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, Chris is texting himself from the future. I was just trying to make sure. Hey, posterity, man. I just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one hour, 45 minutes, 18 seconds. Okay. Oh, I found my note. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well done. Um, yeah. I mean, so. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do it. Say it. I don't know. I, I was. I was half expecting, um, which I was, I was prepared. I, I'm going to, I'm going to bootstrap my own self. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, what, what I expected was that somebody, namely Steven, um, would pose a question to me, um, which is because I've talked about this film being great. I've talked about being a huge fan of Nolan. I have talked about inception being my favorite film of all time. Okay. Yeah. What is the new ranking? So, but, so mm. my initial, so what I wanted to respond to you was what you were asking is a very, very, very difficult question because I could rank this film purely amongst the other Nolan things. And that is saying like, if it's better than any of these two Nolan things, it has to be in my top five. But there's a hidden extra th hiccup that makes this very difficult is because my second favorite film of all time is Primer, which... I have always held Whoa. as being controversy noted, <laughs> which I have always held as being like the best time travel film. Now we have a film that in one universe could be called the best Nolan film, which would by necessity make it have to be the best time travel film in my point of view. So it's like if I were to put this mm. above Inception, it would also like now break the ranking of Primer existing in the list as the best time travel film of all time. So it is a very difficult task to... So you're going to swap out Primer? Because <laughs> that'll be a much less problematic list, so everybody wins. Yes. Primer is a great film. Please. Maybe Shane Kruth is not a great man. Is it? <laughs> is it? Um, but yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's a tough, tough question, and I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to weigh in on that answer. Um, okay. But, but I did... We can check back. I did on want that, to acknowledge though. the controversy there. About it. Okay, because it has to shake up that list a lot. And if I did what Stephen wanted me to do and just unseated Primer and slaughtered it in, I would live in a world where three of my top five films are Christopher Nolan films. Right, embrace that world. You're approaching a universe where all five of your films are Christopher <laughs> Nolan films. I don't know, man. Have you seen Rounders? Rounders is pretty good. Sorry. I'm, so, so this isn't going to make a lot of sense, but I'm like tired enough that I honestly feel like Chris has been moving backwards in time and like knows that later I'm going to ask him about his ranking. And somehow he collided now and just started talking about I, it. I think what we learned is Steven is not going to take a bullet for me like I thought he was. <laughs> so, I'll take a bullet from you. But that's because I'm shooting you in the opposite direction. <laughs> Jeez. Nice. So either way, you're saving my life, right? You're... Yeah. 
in my time, I'm saving your life. Cool. Well. All right. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know how to walk out of here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Backwards. backwards. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. <laughs>